What is every musician's goal? Tone. Cutting through all the who makes what is exhausting. Colossal Cables has put you and your instrument first by using only the best of the best so you can achieve the tone you deserve. The old saying, you get what you pay for is no joke, but don't be price gouged by the inferior cables that loses tone by the foot. Colossal Cable has put the tone back in your hands. XLR mic cables, speaker cables, instrument cables. See their full line at www.colossalcable.com and take your tone back. Hey guys, it's the Animal. I have none other than the legendary bass player, Rick Fox, with me. Rick, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Chris. I don't know about, I don't know about legendary. I, I can accept icon, but I, I don't think my <laughs> contemporaries would agree that I'm legendary. But thank you all the same for the compliment. Well, okay, so going back and looking at the music that you've produced, uh, that you've had come out of your fingers over the years, the, the mindset that you've been in playing this stuff, you, you are <laughs> definitely a legend. There's no two ways about it because you actually made things happen before it was cool. Well, that's an interesting way of looking at it. Uh, I, I, I've been called a visionary, so I think we can we can agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, absolutely, and nobody can ever really take away from you what you've done. And it's kind of odd that now one person in particular has actually said, "Yes, that actually happened." I won't talk about it no more. <laughs> well, they 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 can they can't take it away, but it still doesn't stop them from trying. That's a fact. I know that so true, so true. Yeah. But now the name I'm gonna I'm gonna get into the meat of what everybody I've talked to says. Oh, this happened this way. This happened this way. I'm gonna say I'm, I want to know the truth from the source. The name right from the horse's right from the horse's mouth. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And hopefully not the other end. But. <laughs> Well, we run into a lot of that too in the business. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Without a doubt. So yep. the name of the band Wasp came from you almost stepping on a wasp. Yeah. Uh, I was outside uh, Blackie's cot rental cottage uh, and uh, back in the days before cell phones. Uh, and he had one, what they call, you know, it was like a standard type of that beige colored, they call a princess phone, but it was a, I think it was a push button. It wasn't a dial phone. Right. Uh, a lot of people don't know what those are anymore, but it had a really long extension cord on it. So I was able to walk around out, outside his house and take the phone call outside. I was talking to a friend from New York and um, just giving him my status updates of what was going on since I, I just arrived there not too long after that. And then uh, I was kicking over leaves. There was a, a huge avocado tree in the courtyard area right there and so i'm talking on the phone i'm aimlessly kicking over leaves and i start to kick over a leaf and i it's in that micro split second when your your mind sees that kind of an insect uh -huh. and i ste i stepped on it real quick before it could take off uh, and then i t i turned the leaf over and it was uh, you know it was uh, like a yellow jacket a hornet or or if you will a wasp okay. and and it was it was not completely dead i didn't like super smash it flat it was still alive but it was writhing you know and squirming and the tail was moving around with the stinger in it right and and prior to that um blackie had told me while i was staying there that he wants to ditch the whole everything he's done before in the past you know he says we need something new we need a new band name we need a new image a new thing i want this to be like completely right from right from the get-go out the gate uh, a whole brand new concept and band and name everything so with that in mind, I walk back in the house. He's sitting there on his chair watching the Yankees game on TV. And he's slumped down and he's got his, his uh, face against his, his fist. You know, he's just leading his, his face on his hand. Yeah. And, and 
And I said, hey, I, I got an idea for a band name, um, you know, outside on the phone there. And I said, I kicked over a leaf and I stepped on a, on a hornet. I said, I got an idea. How about wasp? I said, wasp is a, it's a four letter word. It's, 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 you know, uh, it's one syllable. It's, it's, you know, it's an insect. It's an angry insect. I said, so what about the, what about wasp? I said, uh, that sounds like a good idea for a band name. And he looks up at the ceiling, like he's thinking and he's thinking and he's thinking, he looks at me and he goes, that's, that's a good idea. He goes, keep thinking like that. You know, and, and, that, and that was, that was pretty much it. He went back to watching the ball game. Yeah. A couple of, couple of nights later, we're at rehearsal at Randy's studio and nothing was said until after we were done and we wrapped and we're, we're standing outside Randy's office, you know, in, in the rehearsal studio. He says, we got a Blackie says, we got a, a new, a new name for the band. It's like that. And, and, and I, I was like, oh, okay, well, what's this going to be? You know, and, and, and Randy goes, well, I wanted to call the band Hellion because that's what they call bad kids in Texas, you know, uncontrollable yeah. wild kids. I said, I think there already is a band in, up in Hollywood called Hellion. You know, and then Tony, Tony says, well, who names a band after a bug? And I said, I don't know, the Beatles, right. Scorpions, <laughs> like that, you know, uh, Adam and the Ants. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and Blackie goes, well, then Black says, the new name of the band is Wasp. And that was, and we kind of, kind of all went, looked at, looked at each other. And, and I looked at Blackie, he looked at me and he kind of, you know, the little nod. Yeah. Like that, you know, uh, and that was the moment that Wasp was born. Uh, you know, technically speaking, that makes all four of us co-founders of, of a brand new band. Well, yeah. And that's been tried that that has been tried to be so dismissed that that even happened. And yeah, every, you know, when people interview with Blackie and they ask him where the name comes from, he automatically goes into evasive mode and, and says, it stands for, we're not sure pal, yeah. you know, or, or, or he says, a, a friend kind of, kind of a friend gave me the, the he he'll backpedal he'll he'll try and squirm out of exactly the, the actual truthful account because that would mean he'd have to acknowledge i was in the band which he doesn't exactly you know he starts the history of the band with chris and and uh and tony and, and randy like that right he, he won't acknowledge that and subsequently he's got a slew he's got an army mostly in europe an army of of they're not even so much wasp fans they're blackie fans yeah yeah you know and and they they refuse to accept that i was in i was you know part of the creation process you know and they, actually they get some of them get really hostile i i don't i i have i can't put my thumb on why these people are so hostile i did nothing well, to these people personally you know <laughs> i i can actually answer that oh it, good because we've all been waiting for one <laughs> well you know how you said they're like a, a, a blackie's army yeah. Well, a lot of people look at their band that they follow, their musicians they follow, almost as a religion. Now, you cannot put a Protestant and a Catholic in the same room together, even though they read the same book. Yeah. So it's kind of like that kind of whole ordeal of, well, we think this is the way it happened. Well, we think this is the way it happened. And people are going to hold the value of, hey, well, this is what Blackie said, so this is law. No, that's not how this works. That's... That's not how any of this works. It's the law of lawless. <laughs> lawless is law. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you know, I, I've had conversations with uh, Wasp author uh, Darren Upton. Yeah. Who, he wrote the he wrote the book Wasp: A Sting in the Tail. It's an unauthorized biography. And and when we first he got me on the phone, we had like a three hour 
interview from he, he's calling me from the UK. I was in California at the time. And he says, you represent a very integral and important puzzle piece that's missing from the history of early Wasp. Mm. So there are fans that accept your story up until like, I think, uh, Crimson Idol. He goes from Crimson Idol on. Those are the fans that just are hostile towards you. Right. So, you know, uh, and, and it's it's like even if it doesn't matter how much evidence and documentation you put in front of these people the photos the demo right all of that you know they still it, it's not enough it's it, nothing is ever enough no it's, it's not a, it's a black hole that can't be filled it's a blacky hole that can't be filled yeah um, um, um rim shot but um <laughs> uh, but uh you know then they, they if you you provide them with the evidence then it's like okay well, where's the tours where's the gold albums right where where's the you know where's it where's the proof that you were in the band well, there's the photo. Yeah. There's witness accounts. Chris Holmes admitted I was in. Uh, um, Randy Piper is on record, right, uh, uh, on the internet uh, in an interview saying that you know, Rick was in the band and he came up with the name and Blackie stole it. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't matter. They brush all of that aside. So. Well, it, it's like a lot of people they they don't want to know the truth. Yeah. You can you can lead the horse to water, but you can't make him drink it. Absolutely. So now. I'm in the Dallas area, and a, a song that I get requested a lot for the Big Hair Show is Blind in Texas. Blind in Texas, yep. yep. And I, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll play that. But I've got to put my two cents in. <laughs> when I, I'm a bass player, guitar player myself, okay? Okay. So okay, great. When, when Blackie said, the bass is a stupid, mindless instrument that a monkey could do, yeah, I took offense to that. Well, he what he said was that the bass is a tool of ignorance. Yes. So, and that's funny coming from him because he was playing it. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of like, well, didn't you just wait a minute? Never mind. Okay. Yeah. Wait, you know when they, when they they had a, they showed the video on MTV. You know, at the end when the when the bus is going by and they go back and pick him up and put him on the bus. Yeah. If you really want to have fun, record it, roll it backwards so that the bus goes back and drops him off and takes off and leaves. <laughs> that, that was pretty funny. That is pretty cool. I, I, uh, uh, do you know about the, the, the trivia thing about uh, Blind in Texas, don't you? I do not. The guy playing the bartender. When they, Blackie shows up, he goes, we're here for a gig, and the bartender goes, what's a gig? Yeah. That's Mike Solon. Really? Mike Sol Mike Solon. A is the brother of Eddie Solon, who was Ace Frehley's guitar tech and and uh, the first sound man for Kiss. Oh, okay. B, Mike Solon was the guy that picked me up at the airport with the band. Huh. Okay, so uh, Mike was very cool. Mike, Mike was the guy who was he was Blackie's chauffeur for a while until Blackie could get his car fixed. Okay. So Mike used to come pick us up, drive us all the way down from Hollywood to Anaheim. To, to Randy's studio, sit around while we rehearsed, and then bring us back up to Blackie's house. And that went on for about maybe a month, month and a half. And Mike's like, you know what? I, I got to get up early for work in the morning. My wife gets mad because I'm not home. Yeah. So you got you got to start looking for another ride down to rehearsal and back. Well, but, but the bar the bartender that's that's Mike Solon. Okay, awesome man. Well, yeah. and, okay, so we've brought up Kiss a couple times uh, before we was recording, and now, yeah, are you a Kiss fan. 
Uh, it depends on your definition of fan from level from from zero to ten and, and fanatic being the root word. Right. Um, yeah. To a certain extent, I guess I still am a Kiss fan because it represents a lot of of where I went in the music industry after being exposed to them. Okay. Uh, and I mean that in a professional way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, going back to the days of the of the loft when they were rehearsing. Yeah. You know, when when there was nothing around like them to compare them to. So essentially, they didn't just raise the bar. They created the bar and, and kept systematically raising it from each point on. We were watching them rehearse before Ace was in the band. Really? So it was just, you know, uh, Peter and Paul and Gene. Huh. Well, now, you know. something that I, I find really amazing about KISS fans is that when you're a KISS fan, either you know it or you don't. There's no in between of yeah okay I like Kiss. There's either dude this is the most badass song I've ever heard in my life or it's like I I don't get it. When, well like like West Side Story when you're a Jet you're a Jet all the way just it, there you substitute go. substitute Kiss you know when you're a Kiss fan you're a Kiss fan all the way. Well yeah, one of the songs that I <laughs> I personally like the most of Kiss is I was made for loving you, even though Gene hates that song with a passion. Disco. Yeah, the disco kiss, man. What could go wrong yep. with doing a disco album? Dynasty. Well. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, my, I like the, um, I like Hotter Than Hell. Oh, and yeah. I like the, I like, I like some of, some of, um, um, what's the, what's the third album? I can't think of the Destroyer? name. Destroyer? No, not Destroyer. I like oh. Destroyer. Destroyer represented a, a, a turning point. Right. In their production. You know, you got Bob Ezrin in there and, and and their whole sound got thickened up, you know. Uh, Dress to Kill. I was thinking of Dress to Kill. If Dress to Kill had a, t a similar production between what what uh, Hotter Than Hell had and Destroyer, I think it would be phenomenal. I think the production was a little too thin, in my opinion. Right. Well, now I don't know. I think that Gene Number One is an incredible businessman to come up with the, the makeup and, and the, the band design. Mm. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I don't get it. Uh, there was a, uh, I had a media opportunity to go to a kiss show and they're like, yeah, 1500 bucks. I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's getting, times are getting tough, man. People was trying to do anything they can to scrape together a, you know, a couple of dollars. Oh yeah, especially Kiss. I mean, because you know, they don't sell out. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> year, years ago, you know, it didn't cost anything to a meet and greet. Now it's like, okay, we can make money off of this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I, I mean, you, you, you met the band after the show, and hi, right, then you go home, and then now it's like, all right, that'll be twelve hundred bucks, please. Right, and you know, all for it if if, if people are willing to pay that. Uh, I, I don't get it. I, but that that's just me. So well, you know, it, it means a lot to them. It means a lot to 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 be a fan, to to meet somebody that has inspired you or that you look up to, that you idolize or whatever. You know, or they're they're your icons. Uh, they represent something that that you aspire to or or just you know. Uh, I don't want to say fantasize, but. Um, you know, it just it, means a lot for them yeah. to, be, to get close to the to the person who who gave you that in the music. 
Uh, well, I, I totally agree with that. Now, working into that point, <laughs> what was your impression of Ingve Malmsteen? Hmm. <laughs> I see the smoke turning. <laughs> no, there's no smoke on this one. I mean, we're, I'm past the, the point of smoke. <laughs> um, I have to, I have to open, go to that room and that file, open that drawer now, and, and in my mind, um, the, the guy that we spoke to on the phone when when uh, Mike Varney called us and and uh, <clears throat> we had a three way phone conference with Mike Varney uh, and and uh, with Steeler. And Ingve over in, you know, Ingve was in Sweden. And I remember how excited he sounded over the phone. Can't wait to get to, to America and come play with the band. And it was just, a, I said, wow, this guy's motivated. He's a hard charger. You know, this is, this is, you know, we heard the tape. You know, we were like, holy cow, this, right. this is a human. This is actually a human playing guitar, you know. Right. Because all we had to go by at that point was Eddie Van Halen or George Lynch. That was kind of the, the closest things to compare it to. And, and you know, so it was going to be interesting to see what this guy can actually do in person. And then somewhere between the phone call and the conversation there and the guy getting off the plane, coming down the ramp at the airport, something changed because it didn't seem like the same guy, huh. you know, the, the filter between the brain and the mouth was, was either, they didn't re they didn't replace it. It malfunctioned or something because I mean, it was, he was like this 19 year old, arrogant guy trying to i guess trying to impress us or something i don't know uh i mean he was he was a big fish in a little pond in sweden i mean right. i forget this is i mean ingray momstein sweden this is the country that brought you abba okay so yeah yeah, yeah. so they, they 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 had they did they were not into rock and roll per yeah. se uh at that point so he had to get out of that pool and 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 venture forth into a bigger universe well, but it, it was gonna, it was going to take time for him to establish himself which yeah. Well, with Steeler, it didn't take very long. Well, it, like you said, you know, it, being from Sweden, it was ABBA or the beginning birth of death metal, the very black metal. And then there's Ingve in the middle doing this melodic, insane stuff on the guitar. And you're like, okay, well, let's let's do this. Yeah, so, it was. I mean, so we, 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 first of all, we finally get back to the, uh, to the, what they call we called the Steeler Mansion, which was kind of an inside joke because it was the most roach roach <laughs> infested uh, of domicile you could think. It was three gutted storefronts, oh. you know, with a common area in the middle, and and it was it was an extremely Spartan living lifestyle, you know. I mean, it was like a mattress on a milk crate, you know, like that. There yeah. was a water bed in the kitchen area, which is where Ingve slept on. Somebody had had left a water bed there, and and. And that was the kitchen was where all the roaches were concentrated around the stove and everything right. like that. But when he walked in the door and saw how we were living, it was definitely culture shock. He was not expecting that. Well, no, I mean, you know, I mean, not from one of the one of the, the hottest, biggest up and coming cornerstone, if you will, metal bands of Los Angeles at that time. Yeah. You know, we had Rot, uh, Rot listen to me, uh, Motley Crue, Rat, Steeler, you know, those are like that's the top echelon right there. Right. You know, and then, you know, so you'd figure we were, we were living pretty good and, and no, we were not, uh, we wow. were doing the couch tour on our, on our own couches. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, uh, you know, he, he walked in and he was, he was pretty like, holy crap, you know, just shocked. Oh yeah. Well, and you know, you know so back in the days, you know, it, like you said, it was, uh, 
Motley Crue, it was Rat, uh, Stormer. Stormer, band, yeah. Bands like that that were it, really paving the way. Yeah. Even even the offshoot of Rat, uh, Sarge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and who else you had uh there was a there was a kind of a solo artist a lot of people don't really talk about it much anymore because it probably doesn't pop up it was a guy named joshua and he was a christian rocker this is way before striper okay this guy was known for having like the largest wall of marshals you could fit into a club Jeez. and, and he was you know he was a pretty he was a pretty fantastic outrageous guitar player and he had his own project his own band thing like that you know so he was the closest thing that we could think of as far as walls of amps i remember him playing at the troubadour and the whole back line was all martial amps wow. walls of them wow. uh That's... like that so but i mean these are these are the bands that were that were you know uh attracting a t- white sister uh was another one it was a progressive band um you know stuff like that that was that was you know in all the clubs and whatnot so but yeah, you know, like you said, Motley Crue, Rat, Stormer. Stormer was a great band. I saw them at the at the Whiskey. Yeah. Uh, Donnie Simmons, great guitar player. Tom Hardy, great singer. Uh, Timmy Gaines. Yeah. You know, into into Striper. Uh, Stormer was a great in, Inland Empire band. So uh, you know, that was that was where I, was. I saw I saw um, Metallica open for Motley Crue at the Whiskey, and they got booed off the stage. Oh my God. That's when they left and went up to San Francisco. Yeah. Well, it, that that was another thing that happened in the music industry is you go a couple hundred miles and it was a totally different tone, a totally different uh, music genre. It's interesting that Metallica went up to San Francisco because that was essentially YNT country. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's a, that's a different kind of rock. And yet both types of music were able to exist, coexist harmoniously without interfering with each other. Yeah, and still exactly. be accepted, you know. So, hey, let's take a little break, and I'm going to come back with Rick Fox. Uh, Rick, hold on a second, buddy, and we're going to do some uh, bill pay in here real quick. Okay. What is every musician's goal? Tone. Cutting through all the who makes what is exhausting. Colossal Cables has put you and your instrument first by using only the best of the best so you can achieve the tone you deserve. The old saying, you get what you pay for, is no joke, but don't be price gouged by the inferior cables that loses tone by the foot. Colossal Cable has put the tone back in your hands. XLR mic cables, speaker cables, instrument cables. See their full line at www.colossalcable.com and take your tone back. All right, hey guys, I'm back, and I've got the great bass, inspiring bass player. I mean, just, Rick, I can't say enough good things about you, man. I've, I'm friends Thank with you, you on Facebook. Uh, I've, I've read all your stuff, Rick. Okay, let's let's dive into what got you going into music. What what is it? What song did you hear that said that's what I want to do? I was watching. It was either American Bandstand, you know, Dick Clark's American right. Bandstand, or, or, or one of those stupid. There was it was a couple of different shows back in the '60s. Uh, Hullabaloo was one. Uh, uh, American Bandstand was there. Was several shows, and I saw Steppenwolf on on there. And and uh, I was a big Steppenwolf fan, you know, starting at age 13 in '68. Right. Uh, when I got their first album, I, as a 13 year old adolescent, I was able to decipher the lyrics of what john k was singing about and i just really got into their music uh-huh. uh everything about them and and uh and i saw their bass player nick st nicholas 
and he had like a bucks fringe buckskin jacket on and a leather pants and he, he was playing a rickenbacker i think at the yep. time and and uh, i said that that's cool that's that's what i want to do i want to be like that guy and now he was the one that pretty much you know started the, the ball rolling for me that see and i don't care who you are you've got that everybody has that one musician that's sitting there going that's what i want to do yeah and oddly yeah. enough, as big of a Kiss fan as I was, I mean, we're talking 1975, my brother got me into Kiss, okay? I didn't want to play the guitar until 1981 when I heard Randy Rhodes. That's yeah. what did it for me. Yeah, yeah. And There's uh, that, 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 that tipping point right there, exactly. the game changer. The game changer. Now, l- l- let me see if you kind of have the same mindset I do on this, because this is just one of the things that I do. Whenever, uh, whenever somebody asks me to play an Aussie song, I'm like, dude, I know three uh, from the Randy Rhodes era. Mm-hmm. And they're like, why do you only know three? I was like, because it takes the magic away. It, it takes that awe moment away when you know everything they're doing. You think so? I, oh, God, yes. I, I firmly believe that. Now, like the, the Jakey Lee years, I love it. The, the Zach Wild years were are, are incredible, but the, the Randy Rhodes years are the ones that got me into, okay, I want a Les Paul. I, I want Marshalls. I, I, I want to be like Randy Rhodes mm. and stay out of airplanes. <laughs> yeah. But I, I firmly believe that it takes some of the magic away when you know everything they're doing. Uh, Eddie Van Halen, I know a couple of Van Halen tunes. I don't want to know them all because that, for me personally, it takes the magic away. I was a huge Michael Sweet and uh, Oz Fox follower. I love Striper. Mm -hmm. I learned all their songs, and now it's like, there's there's no wow factor for me. I still love the stuff. I, I, I still think it's great music. But it doesn't have well, that awe factor for me. I, I'd have to say, conversely speaking, um, I'm, I'm still in the middle of reading Bob Daisley's book, for fact's sake. Oh, yeah. And I'm just now, I'm up to the part where he's he's been uh, writing with, with uh, he's with Ozzy now. Right. And and with and Randy has come in and they got Lee Kerslake on drums finally and I'm 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 up to the part where they're doing the writing process and recording the recording stuff for you know for that what will be on the first album and now and like my father before me I, you know being a, a big a cinephile which is somebody who's really into movies right uh, I love knowing how stuff works I like all the behind the scenes documentaries I like to know all the details of how did they do that right. So, so that, that's what I dig is, is getting all the behind the scenes stuff. Show me how that works. And what, what, what did you do to get that over there? And what does this work this way? So, you know, and of course, when I worked in the film industry myself as a prop master and, and uh, as a weapons handler, so I got to see how a lot of this stuff is done behind the scenes. So that's, that's where I get off is, is knowing how this stuff works. I like the finished product, right? but I, I'm curious as all get out to, to know how it was done. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, and, yeah. and, and, Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, success is measured by by how much you know you can inspire and influence people. Uh, you're not wrong. You know, you know that's when, success. When I was a, a teenager, really getting into Striper, I I did do the diving behind the scenes of how they do that, 
and I learned what amps they're using, what what preamps they were using, what parametric equalizers, the whole nine yards, and I built my system to sound like that. And, of course, now you can go get those insane uh, modelers and get it out of one box. Yeah. But, you know, you know uh, what's interesting, too, at least for me it was, is is getting to meet and talk to a lot of the you know the the uh, the forerunners the creators of this stuff from the 70s yeah and and i was i was working with the band thor out of new york at one point and and one of my favorite influential bands and and greg chase on too was a, a band called mountain yes and, and you know leslie west and felix papillardi well felix papillardi was coming in to work with with thor to, to produce him you know nice. before his before his wife took his life yeah um but i got to meet and hang out with him one night at, at this club in new york uh, great gildersleeves with thor was playing and it's it's moments like this that you just you can't pay for and felix felix says you know to me looking at me he goes your enthusiasm and, and what you bring to the table he goes it, it makes guys like me feel young he goes i just gotta tell you you know it, it's uh, he, in other words he was paying me a nice compliment which was awesome coming from you know one of my you know idols right and and you know, of course he produced cream mountain was the american version of cream yeah yeah you know? it was and and but felix goes you know and he gives you these little how it was done secrets and he says hmm. you know that that really ratty sound that that Mount, mountain had you know the, the speakers that sounded like all that overdrive and i said yeah and he goes well besides you know the volume that leslie would play at he goes we had our roadies take pins and they would prick little holes in the speakers really and as the speakers are vibrating from the air we would that would they, they were pumping that the speakers huh. would start to rattle and and they'd get this ratty sound as the paper started to shred over time huh and and, and it would create this this distortion sound that would get out of the speakers you can't pay for moments like sticking pins in the speaker he goes of course when the speaker blows we have extra cabinets the guys would just take them swap them out and put the next one in yep. we, later on we just replace the speakers and do the process all over again yeah and, you and know see, it's it, that's, that's magic it that's is. real magic that that is what uh all musicians are looking for they're, they're they're trying to find their niche and once they find it man you're you're golden now Speaking of uh, all the ins and outs of equipment, what are you using now? Well, I still have my um, I still have my two Randall stacks, my Randall bass amps. I have what they what's uh, it was called the, the RBA five hundred HT series. It's a I have two three hundred watt heads. They're solid state, and four cabinets that have two fifteens in them, and they have little little small little round ports in the corners. You know. Okay. Uh, the thing is, uh, those cabinets were all made with, with you know, in the, back in the day, the, the grill cloth. Yep. And then, and of course, had the Randall logo in the center. And I was down at the Randall facility what, back when it used to be in Irvine. Okay. Uh, I went down there, and, and they were doing some some stuff for my amps. And I and they had a guitar cabinet. The guitar cabinets were the same size as the bass cabinets. Their 412s were the mm -hmm. same size as the 215s. You know the Marshall style, right? And and I uh, that's guitar cabinet it had a metal grill on it, a black metal grill. And I said, hey, well, you know, to the guys, will that fit on on my cabinet? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Let's find out. They took it off and they, they took off the they they put it over on on my cabinet. Lo and behold, it fit perfectly. Oh. I said, can you put that on on my cabinets? Uh. They said, I don't see why not. And we took all the fabric 
cloth off the, of my grills, uh, the grill cloth off my cabinets, and we put these metal grills on. Yep. So they said, you're the only bass player that has these. So it's it's like a one-off. Right. You know, you can see the speakers right through the metal grills like that. You know, And then, yeah. of course, uh, well, since I, I met, I got hooked up with uh, Angela Gambino uh, and, and pro player Art, uh, she does these custom-made printed screen cloths that you can – she started doing drum heads. Yeah. She has a, a, some patented process for doing drum heads uh, for, with the artwork. And then now I said, can you put that on a grill cloth? Because that's – you know, when, when I started trying to uh, promote my Polish uh, uh, ancestral heritage with the winged knights and the, the, the winged hussar knights, mm-hmm. uh, I was wondering if – can you put that, that kind of artwork on a, on a screen cloth? And she says, yeah, we can pretty much put anything on the screen cloth. And I sent her some artwork. Uh, two different kinds, and she did. She did be a screen for uh, that will fit an SVT style cabinet, because a lot of times you go into a club and you have to use whatever the, the club's backline is. Yep. So I have a, an SVT sized screen that has says Rick Fox Winged Knight of, of uh, Heavy Metal on it, and then I have the kind that that's uh, fits a Marshall style cabinet. Okay. Uh, with a, with a different, uh, it's a it's a you know it's a Polish knight's helmet. With the wings and the crossed sabers, and it says, you know, wing knight of heavy metal, and and so I went from no gr- no grill cloths to metal grill. Now back to grill cloths when I'm playing it. A- it's the same thing a drummer does when he puts his name like uh, 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 Gene Krupa used to put GK in his shield. Yeah. On his on his drum head and Buddy Rich, you know, but drummers drummers they could carmine apathy. So if I said if drummers can do that. Why can't I do that on a on a you know on a cloth over the the of the bass amp? Well, absolutely. So that was my thinking on it, and and so that's what I did. But um, yeah, to get back to your question, I'm, I'm using the the Randall cabinets, but I really don't have any places right now to use them at. You know, uh, I can fit my whole rig in you know in my truck, uh, except my rack. I can't fit the rack in there because uh, <laughs> I do I do have a rack. But there's no places, especially where, I, where we live now in Missouri, that that can, can uh, you know, I, I can't use that anywhere. So it's, it's it's basically been for the last several years, whatever club you're going in, if they have a rented backline, you just play through whatever they have. Exactly. Yeah. And you know. so, <laughs> tell you a little a backline story. Uh, friends of mine in uh, of Gods and Monsters, you know, uh, uh, God, Simon. Uh, from ACDC, the drummer. Yeah. And, uh, well, uh, the Omen previous singer, uh, Kevin Goocher. Yeah, I don't know him. Uh, d- incredible stuff. Uh, if you get a chance, go check out of Gods and Monsters on YouTube. And it it's almost like Dio-esque uh, kind of nod thing where it's really mm-hmm. melodic. Incredible stuff. Mm-hmm. We went, they were playing here in Arlington, Texas. <laughs> and... Went and seen the back line, and Greg Chason was there with his band, and they had this like little bitty 115 bass amp. And <laughs> Greg's like, Oh, what, what am I supposed to do with that? Prop my feet on it? <laughs> he goes, I'll destroy that thing. And I'm like, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And then, of course, Simon Wright from ACDC fame is now with of Gods and Monsters. They tried to get him to play on this janky, this really horrible small low line pearl kit mm-hmm. and i'm sitting there i look at these guys i go you do realize who that is right <laughs> well this is the back yeah. line we have and that's what you guys are going to use and they're like yeah no we're not <laughs> they, they they canceled the show because 
they they put in their backline uh, well their backline order and they couldn't fulfill it so they didn't play that night which yeah that's that happens man you've got to roll with the punches i've i've, I've got a i've got a backline story that can match you on that okay uh, i was in surgical steel and we were recording an album which eventually got shelved because the backing fell through but we we were support for uh, middle slot support for Lita Ford on New Year's Eve, 1987. Okay. I think it was at Rockers in Phoenix. And Jimmy Jimmy Keeler, the guitar player, was you know, he was an also he was a Randall player, so he had uh, one or two Randall stacks. And I had you know my my I, I don't think I had any of my own Randall gear there because it was I just flew there with my bass and I was recording. So um, I called my rep at Randall, Bill Acton. I said, Bill, we're supporting Lita Ford for New Year's Eve. Do you think you could arrange? Maybe we can get some Randall gear out here. Uh, he looked around. He called whatever the stores were that the, the reps that they had. He got us. I think Jimmy had ten or twelve Randall stacks on his side of the stage. Uh, I had, I think, nine uh, base cabinets turned on their sides. It was the same kind that Jeff Pilson played. It was a, a huge reflex cabinet. Okay. And I and that was stacked up to the ceiling all the way. So we had the whole back line filled. And then Jim Jim had uh, a, a friend use air welding on aircraft aluminum and made a drum riser. It was like three or four steps high in the front, and it all had dummy Randall heads that were wired to look like they were lit. Nice. You all had the little red light lit like that. So and then Lita Ford comes walking in. We're we're doing sound check, right? Because we're a home team. We're on home turf. Uh, so to speak. And then Lita Ford comes walking in, you know, hears us playing. And I turn around and look, and she's standing at the side of the stage with her jaw on the floor. <laughs> and she's like, holy shit. She goes, guys, I, we don't have that kind of gear. You know, and here's here's the support band l- looking like the headliner. Right. You know, and, and she's like, can, can we use your guys' gear? <laughs> <laughs> that was an interesting, I've never seen that done before. Oh, you yeah. know, with a headliner, yeah. the headliner negotiates to use the support band's gear because it, it blew away theirs. Well, you know, and this is this is when she had Randy Castillo playing with her. OK. You yeah. Know. Yeah. So Man, and I miss that then, dude. Yeah. And then, me too. And, and then uh, uh, Jimmy's friend, Jimmy had a friend with a tour bus. So instead of using the, the club's dressing room, we got to use the tour bus to get ready, you know, <laughs> as our backstage area. And then Lita saw that and, and her manager negotiated that her way into, you know, can we use the tour bus too? <laughs> so, so awesome that was pretty cool yeah you know and then when it, when Lita was when we were done and I, we were hanging out on the on the bus talking to Lita and her manager and then uh you know manager goes all right well it's time for Lita to get ready everybody off the bus and here's well, here's us getting kicked off of the bus <laughs> that we lo- we loan them <laughs> right and then and then so we all get to walk off and then Lita turns around, she goes no no Rick she goes you can stay that's cool and she right. says to manager Rick, Rick Rick she goes I know Rick Rick's cool he can stay and Jimmy Jim Keeler turns around and looks at me and goes Chief, what's up with that? How do you rate? You know, <laughs> I said, well, we're friends. I, yeah. I, I met Lita. I met Lita in seventy. I think it was seventy-five or seventy-six, when the Runaways played CBGBs in New York. Oh, nice. And then when I got to California, and and I was at a Wasp, I was staying at an apartment on Clark Street, across from the Whiskey, or up the street from the Whiskey. That was the apartment shared the same wall with Nikki Six. It used to be Motley Crue's apartment. Right. And and I knocked on the door one morning and I hear Nikki and they're going, yeah, come on in, you know. And they had like a, a a chair or something pushed against the door because the lock was busted from being kicked in so many times. Right. You know, by the by the police. <laughs> uh, 
and and yeah, and, and Nikki had two love seats pushed together, and he popped out. It looked like a little sleeping pit, you know. <laughs> and I saw the blanket move, and I look over again, and I see some blonde hair coming out from the top of the blanket. And as as I'm talking to Nikki, the blanket comes down a little further, and it's Lita. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she goes, "Dude, you look familiar." And I said, uh, "CBGBs." She goes, "Oh, that's where I remember you from." Uh-huh. She goes, "You're the, you're the dude who looked like Punky Meadows." You know, nice. Like that. And, and, and yeah, and and, and uh, she she got up, she got, got dressed, and, and said, "Hey, let's all go out for breakfast." And I said, "Well, I'm, I'm broke." <laughs> you know. Right. She goes, "I got it. Don't worry about it, dude." You know. So she took me and Nikki out to breakfast. So that's 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 my two Lita Lita Ford stories. Nice. That's well. Now, okay. So number one, that's incredible. So I'm gonna try to follow it with something else here. <laughs> I go used, ahead. Yeah. <laughs> well, I used to do a band camp in uh, Central Kansas where I would take kids and teach them some really cool old rock and roll and they would go perform it at uh-huh. a, a local fair. Well, a couple of years ago we had a big event. Uh, we call it rock and cue on the plains and we brought in skid row fog hat, uh, got a uh, starship with Mickey Thomas, right? Uh, Banshee and there's other bands. Well, my back Bench, Banshee. <laughs> I know about those guys. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. So Go ahead. we uh the the metal guys played on Friday night uh-huh. with Head East. <laughs> which was I'm like, that doesn't work, but okay. And so okay. <laughs> Saturday, uh my band camp kids were opening the show. Well then they got pushed back farther to like, you know, four or five o'clock. And we had a bunch of other little locals opening the show, and that was fine. Yeah. And we, me and my band camp kids bring all of my stuff onto the stage. And the uh, the guys at Starship are looking at it going, holy God. And uh, Rachel Bowen from Skid Row stayed a day over. Uh-huh. And, and he's like, that's incredible. Because me and uh, Snake Sabo – we got into a uh-huh. discussion about amps, and I told him, I said, I said, what I use is I use Blackstar, the 50-watt tube heads, and I've got the old Crate 412s that two of the speakers are eminent and two of them are uh, uh, greenbacks. Uh-huh. And he goes, well, I get that sound off of my Kemper modeler, and I'm like, no. I said, I don't understand modelers. I don't get it. I, I don't like them. They're taking money away from the tube builders. He starts mm-hmm. laughing, you know, because it is what it is. But uh, have you heard of the band Liliac? Liliac? No, I don't they're, know them. They're a family. They're, it's like the, the heavy metal partridges. Uh-huh. And they are absolutely incredible. And so gracious kids. These kids are so, they're just so thankful to be in the spot they're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I told him, I was like, look, I don't care if you use your drum kit, but I've got a drum kit right here. There's no teardown that you guys have to do. Just get up here and play on it. And you guys can use my amps and all that. <laughs> Abig- Abigail, the drummer, beats the holy piss out of my drum. She is a hard player, and I'm like, that's amazing. <laughs> and it, the, yeah. the show went off yeah. flawlessly, but it was just all that, uh, the backline stuff. Everybody's sitting there going, 
you, you do this for kids? I'm like, yeah. And I was like, as a matter of fact, I give the kids the stuff. Uh, one of the kids, remember when Crate had the, uh, was that the, like the B300 head that had the little equalizer in it? It was, yeah, yeah. It was basically an SVT, but with a Crate name on it. Yeah. I had one of those and an Ampeg uh, 410. I, I gave to the bass player kid. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, I go out and I buy this stuff. I, I find people that, that support the, the van camp and all that. And I give yeah. the kids all this stuff. That's great. So, and down yeah, here in I, Texas. I, I, I've always been interested in doing a band camp thing, but A, I've never taken any lessons, so I, I wouldn't know how to teach. I wouldn't know where to begin. <laughs> uh, and then I have to tie this in. It's a, it's a mixture of when you said Greg Chase on, so the 15-inch base, base cabinet, the uh-huh. speaker. Um, and this ties in with, with uh, the Skid Row guys. Um when I was in E Walker, which is a, which is a, it was a club band. I played the Jersey circuit. It was like six nights a week, four or five sets a night. Uh, we played a lot of the same clubs, you know, the, the mm-hmm. twisted sister and, you know, the, 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 the old Jersey tri-state area club scene. Um, I started out with a, um, I had an Ampeg, uh, it was one of those little studio amps where the head flips up. It's inside. <laughs> yep. And flips up and over and on the top. It looks like a, like a little futuristic city, you know, with, <laughs> with the little tubes in it and everything. Right. That was that was what I was using, and they would mic that. Okay, yeah. So that that's a recording studio amp. It's not made for live. Right. I had that thing cranked all the way up until I actually <laughs> blew it. I blew it out one night, and and uh, they just had a mic me from the direct box and send it back through the uh, through the through the uh, the monitors uh, until I I could get you know another bass setup. Right. But uh, when I met the Skid Row guys. Um, the snake said to came up to, you know, and, and he's, he says, you, you probably wouldn't remember me. And I said, no, I, I like your band, but where would I remember you from? He says, when you were in the E Walker band, you used to come up to upstate New York. I think it was, uh, uh Middletown. We, we used to play Middletown. I think every Wednesday, he says me. And I think, I don't know if he said it, if it was him and Rachel or, or his drummer, it was a couple of the guys. He said, we used, we were underage. We couldn't get in legally, but we, we kind of knew the bouncers and stuff and the people at the door. We used to sneak in and see you play. Oh, wow. So that's my, my Skid Row story. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, know. These, these guys knew me from back, way back in the day. Yeah. You know, well, the- uh, and that's it's interesting to hear that, you know, people who, who bypass you and go up and, and be like superstar famous, you know, A-list players saying, oh, yeah, I, I used to sneak in a club and see you when I was, you know, underage. So that, that's, that's awesome. It's interesting. Well, now, uh, another little Skid Row story here. When we had them, now, Great Bend, Kansas. It is in the middle of Kansas. Basically, if you leave Kansas City on I-70, and mm-hmm. as soon as you see the earth curve, you take the next exit and go south for two hours. That's where Great Bend, Kansas is. And those guys came in a couple days early. And they were like, hey, is there any place around here to eat? And I was like, yeah. I said, I'll come pick you up. So I take them to one of the local dives there that's got really good burgers. And they're sitting there eating, watching the Yankees play. And everybody is just like awestruck. They're just like like timid little mice in the corner. And I finally went up to this one guy and I was like, like you're standing here with a Skid Row shirt on and you're standing here. He goes, he goes yeah. He goes, I don't want to disturb him. I said, come here. <laughs> I took him yeah. over. I said, I said, Snake, this is, I can't remember the guy's name. I was like, 
he's a huge fan of yours. He's been talking. He's been calling me at the radio station. He's been talking to me since we announced you guys were coming. And uh, he's like, "Oh, cool." He goes, "Have a seat." And they sat down. And they talked for a little bit. That was mm. very cool. And then, of course, we go to another bar afterwards. Uh, it was the drummer's birthday, so we're out, you know, tearing up the, the town. And this bar went from having five people in it to two hundred. <laughs> wow! Because word got out, Skid Row's here, and I, I told him, I said, I said, guys, I said, I'm sorry. It's going to get busy here. You are the biggest thing to hit this town in decades. They're like, really? I'm like, yeah, you're, you are, you are the shit right now. So just, if you want to leave, that's cool. And they're like, oh no, no, we're in. So those guys are very gracious and really awesome to the people of that town and took time to take pictures and and sign autographs. It was, it was really cool of them. They were really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I met I met Sebastian when I was in Surgical Steels. When I first met Sebastian, he was just just coming in to to replace uh, Brett Kaiser in Madame X. Okay, so he was he was uh, a timid, scrawny little string bean at the time. Uh, you know that was my, my you know Surgical Steel. I think was we were doing a show or we were there hanging out with Madame X, and and because uh, we all knew each other. And then yeah. I was that was when uh, Sebastian was still just kind of new before he, he turned into what he's what he became today um i wanted to reflect on the uh, the gear thing you know when i was because you got me thinking when i was in e walker there we, we did we were like essentially like, you know any club club bar band you know you're you're essentially a live jukebox right you know you're there to to make people drink and spend money so uh i had uh, we did we did everything from joe jackson to judas priest nice. you know zeppelin zeppelin the who the doors deep purple you know, uh, new new wave stuff. We were, you know, punk. We were doing all of that stuff. We, we had to do whatever was popular at the time. And and I put together a pedal board. And I think I had a, uh, I forget what kind of EQ system I had in there. But I also had, if you remember the old, uh, the DOD company. Oh, yeah. I had that orange flanger. Oh, nice. Yeah. It was, it's like, made it look like cast metal of some kind, you know. Oh, yeah. You can throw had, it off a building and not hurt it. I know, it'd probably crack. But <laughs> <laughs> I had that and I had. A keyboard player friend of mine gave me a Morley rotating Leslie wah pedal. Oh, nice. So you could get a wah-wah effect, but it also had that, that you could adjust the speed of the Leslie sound, you know, that wah-wah-wah-wah-wah, yeah. you know, or, or, or make it go faster or slower. And I'd sit home with this thing because, all right, when, when I, after, after E. Walker, I was in a band called Aggressor, and we were doing even heavier stuff. We'd all the, the Van Halen, Scorpions, Iron Maiden, you know, uh, Black Sabbath. And I was trying to figure out how I can do that intro to Mob Rules. Okay. That, that e, E-V-I-L thing that they did, that the Geezer was doing some kind of something with his bass on that, some kind of wah-wah effect. And between the, the Morley rotating Leslie pedal and the wah and the flanger, I was able to actually uh, reasonably try to recreate that intro before Mob Rules. Nice, you know. So again, when you when you got what you got, and you try to be resourceful and figure out how can you get from point A to point B, and if you just find some way with with weird gear to make it happen in a way that no one ever thought would it would work. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I I, I mean I, I still, I've got I've got. Um, I got two Ibanez uh, Thunderbirds. One is the White Pro Four uh, uh, Thunderbird. I've got uh, EMG pickups hot rodded in that. Nice. 
I've got the the tobacco sunburst with the standard uh, Epiphone pickups in that. And then uh, I've got I still have my uh, I get you know I get a lot of wows now from people who see my my uh, my Warlock. Oh yeah, uh, it's, it's my, my BC Rich custom Warlock because uh, um, when they brought me on board and and Bernie Rico Senior, you know, God rest his soul. Uh, heard my demo tape from Sin, and and he goes thirty seconds into the tape, he goes, "Welcome to BC Rich. What would you like us to have you make? Uh, have have us make you?" And and I, I said, "Well, I want a Thunderbird." And and they were telling me that they can't infringe on Gibson's uh, copyright. Right. Uh, meanwhile, they made a, a Thunderbird for Greg Chase on. So go figure. Yeah. You know. And and I, I said, "What about all those Les Pauls that you're making for Warrant?" You know. Uh, yeah. But they didn't have an answer for that. So so they made me a Warlock. Um, I wanted a medium scale. They may be a long scale. So that uh, it wasn't exactly what I was looking for. Right. But the, th the most remarkable thing besides the, well, I had um, DiMarzio P-style, a pair, two, two DiMarzio uh, P-style pickups in it. And they did, they said, what color do you want? And I couldn't. They took me through the paint shop. I couldn't decide. Now, and this is the era where everybody was getting neon green, like poison or, right. or you know, pink or whatever. And I'm like, like I don't want that. You know, uh, and I don't want a solid. I said, you know what? Just give me everything. So that's what they did. They gave me every color, like like a multicolor rainbow, of nice. of mixed splotches, of all these colors. And then what uh, David Williams, the artist rep at the time, what he did was they were experimenting with this black paint that would crackle, or or, or so it was a uh, any color. It was a, a a chemical they'd add to the paint. It would it would blister and crackle up. Right. You know, and no two were alike. And they, the first time they tried it, it didn't work. It just made these cloudy black bat-looking uh, uh, shapes on the base. And I was uh, in a hurry with surgical steel. With the so they, I took the base, I did the show, and I gave it back to them so that they could, you know, remake me the way it was supposed to. Right. Uh, Kelly Nichols from L.A. Guns wound up using that in the sex action video. Okay. So the the follow-up base they made, it worked, and it's this black crackle over all of these colors. And over the years, I've run into a lot of people, guys that just hated that. You know, right. when I, I played with Randy Piper's group, uh, uh, King's Horses, and they said, dude, you're not getting on the stage with that. We're, you know, we're like kind of blues-based, you know, and traditionalists, <laughs> and, and there ain't no room for multicolor rainbow guitars on the stage. I had to cover the entire thing with black tape, except the headstock. Oh, wow. Um, and then after that, I peeled it back all off and, and wiped it down. But um, nowadays, every time I show that bass on like on Facebook, everybody freaks out. They're raving about it. They're like, I love that bass. I love that bass. It, it's it's all these bright colors. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, you got to have sunglasses on. Oh, yeah. To look at this thing. You know, I still I so I still have that. Um, I have my Aria Pro uh, Pro 2 ZZB. Uh, it's like an Explorer body. Uh, shape it's right. white with blood with blood splatters all over it and um they they took it off the line for me and they put in japanese lettering uh outlaw fox crazy outlaw fox you know in, in the kanji yeah. lettering so, and i still have that and i have a 1975 uh eb3 base and it's like a seafoam green color hmm. and it's got this like these it's the pick guard is split between top and bottom it's not a traditional oh, wow. eb3 pick guard it's customized and, and, and it's got a 50s retro like aluminum radio type dials on it and stuff and and uh, the, i went into a music store in, in hollywood and i was looking i was i've always been looking for thunderbirds you know i had gotten a steal a royalty check at that time and i wanted to get a thunderbird and it's like it never really lined up either you know nikki six offered to sell me his white thunderbird 
for 600 and I didn't have the money at the time. Jeff Pilson from Dokken offered to sell me his white Thunderbird, and I didn't have the money at the time. Right. So finally, by the time the money came in, those guys were gone. I couldn't get a hold of them. And I, I'm going all these music stores looking for for a white Thunderbird because, you know, uh, um, Pete Way from UFO and, and uh, Oprah and Watts from the Hoople. These guys played Thunderbirds, white Thunderbirds. And I wanted one, always wanted one. And the closest thing they had that my 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 B plan, plan B base was was I wanted to have one of those cherry uh, cranberry colored uh, uh, Gibson EB3s. Right. That's kind of like what that's one of the bases that uh, um, uh, Felix Papillardi played in Mountain. Okay. And all they had was this seafoam green one. Yeah. And it was a decent price. It had a very 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 mild. Uh, uh, um, I don't want to say a fracture, but it was a little tiny little crack in, in the back of the headstock that didn't, didn't affect anything. Right. You know, so that, that was, they had that and that's what I got. I got that, uh, that EB three. And, uh, I, I put a little metal bracket on the back on, uh, um, to reinforce it. So that, that nothing would happen to the, I haven't had any problems with it since, you know, I never actually had any problems, but I'm saying that the crack yeah. didn't affect anything. Well, so, so are are you one of the kind of guys that find something that's very unique and you're like, okay, that's going to stay with me forever? You know, I didn't really think of it that way. That's an interesting question. Um, like I said, I've always been after Thunderbirds, but, um, and, and I'm in the process of having something made that's it's it's in the Thunderbird family. I've been waiting now, I don't know, two, three, four years. Hmm. Uh, there's been lots of holdups. Uh, it's it's a special customized. Uh, thing just for me and and uh when covid hit it it's uh the, the guy anthony solo from solo guitars has been working on this and it's he's in the he goes back and forth all over the country for his regular d day job when he's not working on guitars yeah and and uh and he's also moving from jersey i think to like north or south Car north carolina maybe so oh, really i haven't talked to him for a while you know you know anthony Isola? i do i do well, he's the one that's making my base. Nice. He, he, he sent me pictures of it sitting in, in a, on a table in a hotel room in Texas <laughs> somewhere. Um, and then he he had some trouble trying to uh, customize the fretboard for me. Okay. Uh, and, and the inlays. <coughs> yeah. The inlays, are, the inlays are supposed to be a, a, a recreation of the old Polish cavalry flags from the 17th century. It's it's essentially oh, wow. a, it's a night. It's a knight's cross, if you know what an iron cross looks yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you split it. The top is red, the bottom is white. Oh, wow. That's what their flags were. Huh. Okay, so, so and I have full-size flags of this for when we did Living History. And he's, he's got the paint. He says, it's when you try to put the stuff in to the, when you custom cut into the fretboard, and you try to inlay that, he says, they, they, they don't fit perfectly flush. There's like a gap in there. Yeah. He says, I can do them solid one color. I'm just having trouble trying to, to do them as, as two color, huh. half red and half white like that. So he says, that's been a holdup. And I, I haven't heard from him in like, I don't know how long. And then he finally heard from him in maybe a couple of months ago. And he just laid out the whole story of, of what's been hold up and everything like that. Right. And it's just, it's, it's just, you know, God, it's, it's like how many years now am I waiting for this base? You know, people <laughs> are like, Rick, whatever happened to that base you were supposed to have made back when I was living in California, you know? uh like that so well, i don't know i don't know if i'll ever see it but it'll be nice you know, I wanna, it's not not like now there's like no venues to play at you know well yeah uh a good friend of mine has a venue here in fort worth 
and uh, they are fighting the TABC like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, uh, it's just been a. It's honestly, it's just a shit show for them uh, because the governor shut down these bars, but wouldn't shut down these, and it was just such a a horrible deal. That's really all I can say about it right now because there is actually litig- litigation going on to yeah. uh, get the ball rolling for them a little bit better. You know, I, I just talked to uh, Johnny Martin, he's a bass player in L.A. Guns, a friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, they just sold out the, they, they sold out the whiskey. Yes, they, one, I saw one, that. One or two shows. I think they're like the only band left in L.A. who can do that, A. B, yeah. the whiskey, you have to show that you've had your, your COVID shots. Right. Yeah, and, and, and it's, it's masks anyway, no matter what. And I'm thinking, what do these guys go on stage wearing paper masks? You know, yeah. and, and, and how, how many people in, in, in Hollywood can actually prove that they've got the shots and have the paperwork? It's like World War II Germany. Show yeah. us your papers, you know, yeah. to get into the club. And oh. it's like, my God, it's, it's, it's so politicized. It's, it's off the map. Right. Well, now, one thing that I don't do is I don't get into politics and I don't get into religion. But I'm telling yeah. you now, this monarchy thing they're trying to get set up, this whole socialism society they're trying to get created needs to go fuck itself. I think there would be a pushback before it actually would. I'm just speculating. I hope so. My God, I hope so. And one of the states that the government is watching specifically is Texas because they know how patriotic the Republic of Texas is. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, I'm seeing people are sending me all these stories going, you know, with the FEMA camps and, and, and there's FEMA camps in every state, and they're on military bases or old military bases, and they're going to have all these re-education camps. They're going to send all these people, you know, it's COVID camps and stuff like that. And I'm like, man, it's, it's going to turn into that movie, V. Yep. You know, until somebody does something about it. Well, they need to watch the movie Red Dawn. <laughs> yeah, Red, yeah, Red Dawn, yeah. Same, same, same difference. Uh, you know, uh, it's uh, we can't get into this because I mean the country is going down the tubes. Yep. And and uh, I don't you know, I mean we can't be naive and, and close our minds and stick our head in the sand about it either. It, no, we can't. But you know, the, the nice thing is, is that with this being on a podcast, we can say whatever we want to. But I I, I just kind of steer clear of the the Republican, Democrat, the Libertarian, whatever, because. That's a personal thing between me and my God. It's, yeah, this, the country's just becoming so divided. You know, and the politics yeah. are, are, are just gas on the fire. It is. It is. And so I, you know, I just leave all that stuff alone and just play some really cool heavy metal from the 80s and but 70s. It, it, and... it affects us because as a musician, that's our lifestyle. Yeah. And, and you know, if they're going to shut down venues or, or make it difficult to play a venue or make it difficult for you to be involved in doing something at that venue, then, then that, that does affect us. So we right. can't ignore that either. Well, and now see, uh, I, I saw some video from, uh, let's see, Dawkin with George Lynch played the whiskey few weeks ago. Uh-huh. And, uh, if you're on stage, you don't have to wear a mask, but if you're that's the interesting audience, because that's, that's where your body is, is accessing all of these fluids the most right. <laughs> under the hot lights. Your, so, your, 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 uh, the, the moisture spray from your mouth is going on the microphones out in the uh, audience. It's the audience. Yeah. You know, you're but, sweating. It's bodily see, fluids. Bodily fluids are airborne. You know, 
and freely airborne. But yeah, but see, here's here's the question I have, and and I'm I'm going to drop it after this. The COVID nineteen vaccination was two shots. Why was there four lines on the card? I didn't know about that. Yeah. Why, why was that a thing? Why, why would they make it so there's four lines instead of just two? It's all part of the plan. It is. It is all part of the plan. Now, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I got the, the vaccination so I could go to concerts. Okay? I figured I'm going to die of something anyways. If this kills me, whatever. But it's all the, all the people who are vaccinated are the ones that are still getting sick. Yeah, exactly. And, Go figure. And, and see, my wife, who's a, a, a teacher, went and got the booster, and she goes, are you going to get it? I said, no. I was like, have, have you looked at the Omicron virus that's out now? It's a runny nose, fever, coughing, and restlessness. Oh, you mean a cold? Uh, you, you take some NyQuil and shut up, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But okay, so there we go. We did our little tyrant about that because I just oh I can't. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, after after the twenty twenty Nam show uh, in in Anaheim, you know the music convention. Yeah. Uh, and that talk about a super spreader event. That place would be prime for anything like that. Right. And everybody after every Nam show, all the musicians I know, we all go down on Facebook. Go, we all got Nam Thrax, you know, which right. is. We all get as old as people breathing and sneezing and coughing and what eating and whatever, all, uh, talking in each other's face and over the volume of music. You know, everybody gets sick after Nam. That's a given. Right. And and, and I came home. I got something. I don't know. It was, you know, uh, like a flu. Yeah. You know, I was in bed for like a week, two weeks. And, and you know, like you said, NyQuil and shut up and whatever. And, yeah. And that's what I that's what I did. I, I you know, we just medicated. You know, my wife helped take care of me and, and like that. And afterwards, after I get it, then she got sick. Right. And then, then, so I take care of her, and then it's gone. It's over. So we're wondering. That was right around the time when when this this COVID thing was starting to enter the U. And look at how many of um, merchants and and people yeah. involved in the music industry are coming over from China. Right. At Nam. Well, so that that's prime delivery right there. Okay. So have you ever heard of the Dallas International Guitar Show? No. Okay. It is a huge, huge guitar show. Uh, I'm going to be at it and I will actually send you a pass if you want to come down for it. Uh, wow. Cause I'm, cool. I will have a, I'm going to have a booth there and I'll, I'll make you one of my, uh, uh, stars that show up for the, the interview side of it. Oh, thank you. Hey, no problem, man. I, dude, I've loved you. That's, right. that, that's very kind of you. <laughs> so you know, I can't, I'm not going to be able to fly because you can't fly without paperwork. Right. Well, you know, it's, it's Dallas and you're what you're like in Southern Missouri now, aren't you? Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's it's a few hours to Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> quite quite well, a few hours to Dallas. Interesting fact. Now I'm not from Texas. I just moved here two and a half years ago. Yeah. Interesting fact. Did you know it's more miles to go from the eastern border tech border of Texas to the western border than it is to go from Dallas to Chicago? Okay, it's interesting fact. That, yeah, I'm like, okay, come and take it. <laughs> you government officials show up. Come on. <laughs> I would probably, I would probably have to drive down through Arkansas and then cut west. Uh, or you could go down to Joplin, take 44 across, go through Oklahoma, and then shoot straight down 75. Yeah. Well, well, but, well after after when we moved from California, uh, we were looking for you know for property. 
What is every musician's goal? Tone. Cutting through all the who makes what is exhausting. Colossal Cables has put you and your instrument first by using only the best of the best so you can achieve the tone you deserve. The old saying, you get what you pay for is no joke, but don't be price gouged by the inferior cables that loses tone by the foot. Colossal Cable has put the tone back in your hands. XLR mic cables, speaker cables, instrument cables. See their full line at www.colossalcable.com and take your tone back. Um, we drove back and forth from California to Missouri no less than six times. Oh, wow. So and it was back and forth. We were living in hotels, back and forth, back uh-huh. and forth, back and forth. We went all the way up to St. Louis. We looked there. Uh, we, we, we looked in um, Texas. Uh, we looked, I don't know if we looked in Arkansas. We, we just, we just, uh, the monumental driving back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, so, so, uh, and, and we went through up through, uh, what is it? Amarillo, was it not Amarillo? Was it, uh, Amarillo? By I mean, what is it along, along the 40 there? Is that Amarillo? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we went up, we, yeah. And then we went up through, uh, Northeastern Texas. We, my wife has a friend who lives there and we look in, you know, in that area as well. And like that, we just, yeah. This was like the last. What we found was literally like the last place. Right. You know, and and we're in South Central Missouri, so. Okay. And uh, and, and it's just nothing here. It's like Mayberry. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, man. This, this I, town is like mass. It's the town is only like three point five miles in diameter. See, and that's awesome. That's, that's I mean, every, where everybody, I come from. <laughs> every, everybody knows everybody here. Yeah. Exactly. You, know, you can drive from one end of town to the other in under five minutes. Well, it. The nice. This is one of the nice things for me. Uh, I, now I love people that enjoy my music. I and people who uh, enjoy my shows. I, I adore my fans. I give them free stuff. You know, T-shirts and bumper stickers and whatever. And I pay for it out of my own pocket because I love the fact that they're just listening to me. So, mm-hmm. being down here in Dallas, there is like a handful, and I mean it's a very small child handful of people who know what I do. Mm-hmm. So I can go out and do anything I want. I, I, I have the freedom of movement. When I was in central Kansas, I I'd go to the Applebee's and people would come up, Hey, aren't you? Yeah. And you know, sit there and I'd, I'd talk to them and, and have a good conversation with them and move on down here. It is so huge and spread out that it's like, yeah, it's yeah. What, what we do is, uh, you know, my wife and I are first responders from California. You know, we were, trained by LA County fire. So, uh, with that in mind, we'd want to establish ourselves with all the, the local, um, emergency management mitigation authorities and, right. and, and agencies in the area. So like around Christmas time like this, and, and when we first got here, uh, we got little, um, little gifts. It's like the, the, the highway patrol is like right across the street. The police station's right down the block. The yeah. fire department's right down the block. So we get like little packages of cookies, put a bow on it. And, a, and I, I, I autographed some pictures and I gave them, you know, I said, this is from, you know, where, where your neighbors were right down the street, across the street, whatever like that. So yeah. they get to know who you are right away. And they, they, they identify, they know your vehicle. Right. So you're, you're kind of like, hey, we're all on the same team. We're all emergency management mitigators like that, you know. Right. And there really, really isn't that much to do here by way of fire because there's no wildfires in, like that, like in California here. Right. You know, like that. And and when I dropped off the package the other day, a little Christmas bag with some cookies and a picture uh, the fire department guys were, were watching down one of the trucks outside, you know, a couple of young guys. Uh, and, and I gave that to him. And one guy looks in the pictures. He goes, wow, wasp. He goes, hey, wait a minute. He goes, I know you uh-huh. like that. And, and he goes and and, uh, and he, he's looking at the pic. I got my hair tied back. I don't look like I do in the picture. Right. You know, but but he says, uh, 
He goes, yeah, it was because, dude, he goes, my, my, uh, uh, the radio station in on my, my car, my truck, whatever, is, is tuned to like Hair Nation or, or one of the, the hair band uh-huh. uh, radio stations. He listens to the, you know, heavy metal all the time like that. And, and, and they were like so blown away that, that, you know, I'm, I'm just live up the street from them and, and, you know, that, that, you know, the treatment is so different than in California. Oh, yeah. You know, people, people here are like, they, actually flip out over you know like wow oh, yeah. it's just pretty you know i got a a message in facebook from uh, another bass player you know young guy he goes uh my mother works at the highway patrol and and said that you came in with this picture and 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 you know the the, the gift for them she, and he goes uh, it's great to know that there's another rocker and in, in the area you know in our town he goes and it really isn't much around here musically he sent me a picture <laughs> of his band looks like you know, a little little home garage band right. kind of thing like that, he goes. But there really isn't anything around here from from metal and hard rock, at least not in this area of Missouri. But it's it's nice though that that people treat you with 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 I don't want to say with awe, but there's some modicum of respect. Oh, absolutely. That in L.A. it's like you're you're yet you're a dirty hippie. You're, 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 you're here today, gone later today. You know, right. like David Lee West said, they they don't care in L.A. It doesn't matter, you know, unless you're L.A. guns. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, you, you go to another state where people really appreciate that because uh-huh. it's not there all the time. Exactly. You yeah. know, and, and so that that's kind of really nice. It's a nice little little perk like yeah. that. You know, and then, you know, my my vehicle is a it's a first responder vehicle. So they, they see the decals on it. And, then, you know, so we, you know, highway patrol or police go by. We wave, they wave, you know, right like that. So you, you kind of get to know we're all on the same team. So um, let, let I was going to ask- say Dallas. Dallas, though that that's old sweet savage country. Oh yeah, yeah it is. Those those guys lived in my apartment in Hollywood for a while. Okay, so you know who lives up the road from me? King What's Diamond, that? the guy who lives up the road from me. King, yeah, King Diamond himself. <laughs> yeah, the King King Diamond guy himself. Yes, he lives in Texas. Yes, isn't he from like Norway or, or yeah. Scandinavia? Yeah. And he lives in the States. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. And uh, Andy Timmons from uh, Danger Danger. Yeah. He lives a couple towns over. Uh, I, I That's mean, yeah, we, we, we looked at Texas, too. We looked at, And you know what? It, it, it's just weird how we bypassed Texas. It's as soon as we got the place here in Missouri, last year was when that, that huge blizzard came and Texas got, like, froze over. Snowpocalypse, yeah. Yeah, the, the whole snow. Yeah, and they were going after. They were mad at the governor and, and everything. Oh yeah. Well, and the funny thing is, is I'm from Kansas and my wife's from Kansas. So when all that was going on, we were out driving around, you know, checking it out. <laughs> wow. Everybody's freaking out. I'm like, it's a little bit of snow and ice, dude. You'll be fine, I promise. <laughs> well, snow and ice is is pretty but dangerous to drive on. Uh, having done it my done it myself in Jersey. Right. But uh you know uh and I went in California when all the wildfires were going on and because we were with CERT, which a community community emergency response teams, so we were able to access the where regular civilians weren't able to go. Right. You know, and when we lived up in, in uh Santa Clarita, uh, up in, in uh Agua Dulce, well, which is right by Vasquez Rocks, it's a famous Hollywood landmark filming location. Um, you know, and and wildfires were constantly going up and down the 14 freeway. Uh-huh. You know, and it got really close to us several times. And we've been dodging wildfire bullets for for decades. Right. 
you know, we lived in Lakeview Terrace. There was fires that swept right, right, almost right through Lakeview Terrace. It's like wherever we moved, wildfire. We move here, wildfire. We moved there. So I said we've been dodging these wildfire bullets. So yep. now we're in, we're in Tornado Alley. Yeah, dude, wait for that because that's awesome. Oh man, <laughs> we've already we've already heard the, the tornado sirens since we've been here. Oh yeah, yeah. But but the area we're in, uh, the, the locals say that. The, the kind of pocket we're in, the tornadoes tend to kind of go around us. Yeah. You know, they, they'll, they'll go right up to 40, 44. Yep. Well, now, yeah. uh, was it three or four years ago? We were at Rocklahoma. I guess it's three years ago because it's a year before pandemic. So we were at Rocklahoma, which is in prior Oklahoma. And I like to separate myself from a venue with a little bit of mileage. So we stayed in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. The second night, all of a sudden, the alarms are going off in the, the holiday and we're staying in. And me and uh, my cohort that was on the radio with me, we go downstairs. They're like, what's going on? They're like, oh, there's a tornado coming. And there's like really just like matter of fact, but nonchalant about it. I go, really? Where's that? And she goes, oh, it's about two blocks over. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> and yeah. just, we, me and me and my buddy Doug, we were standing outside. I was smoking a cigarette and there goes the tornado, man. We watched it go right by. I'm like, well, that's interesting. <laughs> and he's, he we, said, he's like, I'm never going to Rocklahoma with you again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Oklahoma was interesting to drive through. Uh, Oklahoma City is nuts. It, oh, isn't it? It's like L.A. with, with the traffic. Yeah. The drivers are crazy, and, and people changing lanes are crazy. Uh-huh. There's not enough proper signage to let you know if you're in the right lane to where you need to go to get through the city to cut around and to, 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 you know, where it changes Same from the 40 to the 44, here. you know, Tulsa, Tulsa is different. And Tulsa has where I think it opens up to like five or six lanes oh, on each yeah. side. You can do like, you can do 80. Oh yeah. You know, for a, for a stretch. Oh yeah. Uh, and- but we, we had an interesting experience. I think it was Elk city and the hotel we were staying at all of a sudden, all the alarms start going off and yeah. it was like a scene right out of alien where all personnel must evacuate. You know, they got the the red uh, the, the the lights in the in the ceilings yep. rotating red lights, and I go out to the to the we're on the first floor. I go out to the, the lobby, and there is water pouring through the ceiling over the, the lobby desk. <laughs> you know, and and apparently the ice or whatever was snow flooded the roof and it caved in, oh. and the whole hotel the whole hotel had to evacuate. Oh man! You know, and and we're like we got the cats with us, and we're running running out through the snow, putting everything back in our cars. I had to rebook another hotel. You know, the fire department shows up. I'm wearing you know cert clothing, and they're going looking at me, going, "How'd you get here so fast?" You know, <laughs> I said we're guests here. You know, uh, yeah. like that. And so so we had to leave that and go to another hotel. Uh, we got snowed in in Oklahoma. We got snowed in in New Mexico. Um, uh, there's a couple of great est- restaurants in Oklahoma. There's, a, there's an Italian restaurant that I fell in love with. Uh, it's like New York style Italian food. Oh, nice. Uh, then it's a great Chinese food restaurant. Huge. We've got big stone, those 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 dogs, the stone dogs. Oh, yeah. Good luck out front. Um, those are some things that are my highlights from from going through Elk City area. But yeah, Oklahoma is, is it's either boring stretches of nothing or or it's just like congestion in, in the traffic. Oh yeah. yeah, you know. And then we we stopped a couple of times. It was at Garth Brooks Boulevard. Okay, yeah. yeah. There's a Starbucks there, so we hit that place all the time, going back and forth, right, uh, for gas. And and my wife has to have her Starbucks espresso there. So, 
Well, um, there's a place down here I've got to take you to uh, when you come down. It's called uh, Chris and John's. It's Vietnamese street food. Uh-huh. Unbelievable. It's the the best uh, Orient spin food you've ever had in your life. Well, I don't know. I've been to Singapore. Uh, I think I think this is going to give it a run for the money. <laughs> we'll have to. We'll see sometime. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just also <laughs> I made some recent uh, uh, nice great contacts. I, I did a podcast with uh, Tulsa Music Stream. Okay. Yeah. Uh, with Brian and, and and those people, so that was that was pretty cool and 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 very nice people. I enjoyed uh, doing the podcast with them. So this whole Midwest thing is is like so one eighty from from L.A. It is. It really is. So let me ask you the big question that oh absolutely everybody. I I told a few people I was going to interview you, and they're like, "You've got to find this out for me." Uh oh, here it comes. If Blackie Lawless was to call you tomorrow and say, "Hey, let's do a couple <laughs> shows," would you do it? Well, first of all, he'd have to admit that I was in the band, <laughs> and in order to do so, in order to have me play with him, it's kind of like it would have kept to explain itself, you know? Right. Uh, I don't think he. I, first of all, I don't think that you say never say never. Ron Keel says never say never, but that's one of those cases where I don't think that would ever happen. Okay. You know, the, the genie is so far out of the bottle, he would never call me and say, okay, come and play. Right. Okay. You know? So, what, okay, now what about Ron Kiel with Ingve and yourself? Uh, Ingve was attempted several times. Okay. Uh, we talked about doing um, Steeler reunions for years. Um, my critics and, and my haters have been constantly on my on my back about forget Steeler, give it up. It's never going to happen. You know, move on, dude. <sighs> You know, and then of course in 2019 was the Keeler, the was the Keel Fest, right? And in in, uh, uh, in Ohio, and uh, at uh, the the El Rosa Villa, right? So it was the Steeler reunion that that shut all the critics up. They said it would never <laughs> happen. Yeah. Well. Uh, Ron reached out. Anybody doesn't want to have anything to do with us. You know, he he rarely ever looks back at anything, especially something he doesn't like. Right. So there's just so many. Uh, negative vibes around that whole thing that that would never happen. But like I said, Ron reached out and anybody said no. So nice. we, but we, we had Mitch Perry play with us, which was, was great. Yeah. Fantastic. Mitch is a great guitar player. Um, he was actually one of the people I think was supposed to try an audition for Steeler when I was in the band. Okay. But, but we already had gotten a mom's team <laughs> and, and, and our drummer at the time, Mark Edwards was good friends with Mitch. Okay. So, so we, 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 we think why Mitch didn't come to show up for an audition. We, we have no idea, but huh. we, we did the, we did the, um, we did the, uh, the, the Steeler reunion with Mitch and it went off really great. Uh, and we, we had actually planned to do several more keel fests, uh, and LA being one of them. And of course COVID hit and, and shut all of that down. Right. You know, we had people actively looking for a venue and a, and a promoter that could help us put asses in seats and, and make it worth everybody's while financially. Right. You know, I mean, Ron's con he's Ron's like the, the busiest guy in show business. Oh, yeah. You know, hand, hands down. Uh, he, he's like a 24 seven uh, constantly moving marketing campaign. Yeah. So he's always busy. He's he, I mean, I'm lumped, I don't know how the guy does it, how much sleep he gets. Well, uh, he'll probably go sleep. What's that? You know, <laughs> um, well, just just to he, throw it got, out there. He, if you guys want to come to Texas, I've got the perfect venue for you. Well, well, you'd, you'd have to contact Ron. Reach out to Ron. He handles all the business. I'm just a bass player. 
<laughs> uh, I, we're the only two guys left. You know, uh, Mark Edwards, uh, God love him, he can't play uh, yeah. because he had an he had an a, 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 a what do you call him um, motocross accident right years ago and it broke his back. The back the bike came down. He had a whoop de doo and, and got airtime and the bike came down on his back. It broke uh, his back. So sucks. he can walk and talk. He's he's a very successful businessman. In, in in the Dallas area, I believe in Texas, but uh, and he he showed up at the the, uh, the steel reunion. We all did pictures together on stage and whatnot. Yeah. But he can't he can't play. Oh, that's horrible. So the only two guys off the album is me and Ron. Ah. you know, so like that. And 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 so if you want us to play in Texas, just hit up Ron and have him put it on his on his roster there to you know uh, for or venues or places to play. Right. Uh, we'd appreciate that. Uh, we'd love to come to Texas, uh, where everything's bigger. Um, <laughs> Including uh, your gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, including your gun and your tank and your what your rocket launcher and your your, your Sam and right. Uh, but um, yeah, we'd love to do that. Uh, uh, what else was I going to say? Um, like yeah, it's just the venues are shutting down, so you know we couldn't do the Keel Fest, and it, right. we still actually the plans are on the back burner still to do a Keel Fest West Coast. Uh, I talked to Ron called me up my birthday the other day and, 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 uh, said that, uh, we'd still like to do a West coast date somewhere, somehow, you know, as it, with a Steeler reunion at, at Keel fest. Right. And that means, that means, you know, flying everybody in and out and he's got, he's, he, he does the, his own band keel. Right. And right. that lineup, then he does, then he does the Ron keel band, which is a different lineup. Okay. And, and Steeler. So it's the three bands and, and Ron sings all night for all three bands. Oh, wow. You know, so I, I know what doing multiple shows in one night is with different bands. I've done that with the Deep Purple tribute band, yeah. uh, Child in Time, and uh, Strangers in the Night, which is a UFO tribute band I played in. Nice. And I, I did, we're, both bands are on the same same show the same night. And I would play with one band, change my clothes, and come out and play with the other band. Huh. That's awesome. So I, I, know what, I know what that's like, that back-to-back playing. Um, but... Uh, um, Ron, Ron, we also have plans. Ron's working on uh, an album, uh, a Keel World album. Okay. And and he's just plans to do some new Steeler material on that. So nice. he's got plans for me to to record on that. And then uh, I have speaking of projects, uh, I got contacted by an artist out of Norway uh, by the name of, and I hope I pronounce this right, Stian Pian Thorson. Uh, okay. And and in in the same kind of process like I did with with Jim Crean. Uh, you have a solo artist who has all these big heavy hitter A-list talent guys come in and play guest spots on their albums. Right. So like I did with, with Jim Crean, you know, Carmine Apice's on there, Vinnie Apice, uh, uh, Rudy Sarzo, Tony Franklin, you know, he's got all these heavy hitters on his album. So, so I, I did a couple of songs on, on Jim Crean's London Fog album. Yeah. I hope you only get well, paid in CDs again. Yeah, both both songs have Vinnie Apice on drums, so I got to I got that in my my resume. Right. Uh, and and one of the songs was an Angel cover song of "Don't Take Your Love" from the Sinful album, and Frank Domino's doing a duet with Crane on that. Hmm. So that's the closest I've gotten to record with anybody from Angel. Uh, Stian is doing the same thing over in Norway, and he's got a bunch of heavy hitter people doing this on his. And he contacted me, reached out, he said, "You know, would you like to do a track on my album?" I said, "Sure, absolutely." You know, so they have to just get me a, a pre-production CD, so I have something to go over. Right. You know, before I, so I can write my bass lines, uh, like I did with Crean. But then we have to find a facility of where I can record. So I think he's he's kind of trying to find some place reasonably drivable in Missouri where I can go record. Yeah. To do this, um, 
my wife got me a new computer for for Christmas and my birthday. So um, we don't have a service provider yet. But once I get the computer set up, I'm going to have install the, um, you know, the recording stuff that you need. So you can just record through your computer. Right. And well, then that's, just that's what I use. I use Adobe. Yeah, and send, yeah, and then send people the files. Yeah. So uh, Ron Ron suggested. Yeah, you know, when he, we talked other, he suggested to me. Um, uh, a program that he uses for his radio show and everything. So, right. Uh, and it's, it's all this stuff is like supposedly free, free tools and whatever. So once I can, uh, you know, I'm old school. Once I figure out how the technology works, then yeah. I'll be able to, you know, be able to record base files and, and, and exchange them back and forth with people. Well, I, I'll be honest with you. When I, uh, when I moved down here, I set up my studio and I had, I, I I've always used the Adobe program for everything. Uh, and I got a hold of Adobe and I said, Hey, I want Adobe four. They're like, we don't have four anymore. It's 20 now. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, all right, You're well, like... <coughs> what's that? I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to have to step up and learn how to use this new, uh, Adobe audition. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only thing though is, is see like in, in the old schools, if you're sitting in something, you're in a recording studio you can you can listen to it have have somebody else who's recording with you, the engineer or whatnot. You, you have a, a pair of set of objective ears right. to go. Is that is that all right? Or did we do we need to go over that part right there? You know, like that. And uh, you can't do that when you're alone. No. You know, when you sit you sit there trying to record yourself, you don't know if you're going to catch everything. Yeah, you're and right. So you you got to have somebody else there acting as your your safety net so to speak mm-hmm. you're not and, and see if if you need to, to go back and dub in something at that point you know so it was, so it's not just hit record play and then and, and stop and then listen back it's like oh i gotta go back to that spot how, all right how do you take me to there and then punch in i you gotta punch in and then play and then punch out again right you know so it, it makes you busier in what you got to do instead of being able to just relax and concentrate on playing exactly well hey man i hate to cut it off but I've got to actually raise my said. job. That's what she said. <laughs> okay, Lorena. <laughs> but see, the the follow up to that's what she said is, but not to you. Ah, yeah, I like that. I want to use that one. That's the new one. So. so, hey, Rick, man, thank you so much for joining me and uh, being a part of the podcast. I truly appreciate you, man. Thanks and, for having me, Chris. Do you need any like photos or anything? You going to do a slideshow or? Uh, uh, no, actually, uh, this is all just voice uh, for the podcast. I don't, I don't, I, I don't put all the pictures and stuff in because it takes up so much memory space when somebody's trying to download it and they get frustrated and they just stop. Well, so, you could you could just use my profile picture. Yeah, absolutely. So like that and just copy the profile. So so they'll have they'll have a a, a face to look at. And go, oh, that dude. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'll just, I'll just steal one off of uh, your Facebook. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. all right, man. Well, I will definitely spend some uh, Steeler on the big hair show this coming weekend. Well, thank you so, so. much. And it's a, it's a honor and a privilege. We thank you guys for keeping us alive out there and, and keep on doing what you're doing. We really do appreciate it. Well, thanks a lot, man. All right. Hold on just one second and we'll get things tied up. 
What is every musician's goal? Tone. Cutting through all the who makes what is exhausting. Colossal Cables has put you and your instrument first by using only the best of the best so you can achieve the tone you deserve. The old saying, you get what you pay for, is no joke, but don't be price gouged by the inferior cables that loses tone by the foot. Colossal Cable has put the tone back in your hands. XLR mic cables, speaker cables, instrument cables. See their full line at www.colossalcable.com and take your tone back. 